You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Today I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 13, verses 47 to 50. Uh, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello, hello, good morning, good morning, Sierra Hill, or as we say in Mexico, buenos dias. <laughs> um, for, your, for those of you who do not know me, uh, my name is uh, Javier, and I have the privilege of unpacking God's word uh, with you this morning. Uh, as, as Steph mentioned, um, Ben Hewitt was originally meant to uh, be preaching this message, but um, he got COVID, so Ben, we're praying for you. Um, so I just want to set your expectations this morning. Um, if you were expecting a charming man with a funny accent like Ben this morning, I might not be as charming, but I do have the funny accent. Um, so welcome. Um, if you're new or you're visiting us today for, for the first time, we have been unpacking uh, what the Bible has to say, what the parables of Jesus have to say about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, ben and Brenton have done a great job introducing the kingdom to us. In the first sermon, Ben told us that the kingdom of God uh, is grown by God to bear fruit. It is like a mustard seed. Uh, then last week, Brent just told us that the kingdom, uh, it's, it's a treasure. It's a treasure that is worth it all. Uh, I really like um, Brent's analogy. He said that the kingdom of God is like a, a taco that you get to enjoy. And even before you eat it, you already enjoy it. Um, I love that reference because I'm Mexican. <laughs> um, in today's passage, um, I want to just unpack it briefly before we jump into today's passage. Um, a little bit more of, of, of the, what the kingdom of heaven is. So we know the kingdom of heaven is a fruitful place. It's a place filled with the orders and the goodness and the richness of God. But it is, it is more than a place. It is more than a location. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules, where God reigns. It's an expression of his power, his sovereignty, his kingship. And we experience the goodness and the fruitfulness today as we obey and submit to him in this kingdom. Uh, but I also think that the, the, the kingdom is like, it's like having a, a new baby. It's like it's learning that, that you are pregnant. You see, when, when you find out the news that you're about to have a baby, you get to enjoy uh, the, the, the joy of knowing that, that you can bring life to this world. And it's something marvelous and amazing. You get to enjoy in that moment uh, the good news. However, you, you look forward to the time uh, where that baby will come to be born. Uh, there you will get to experience the full joy of, of those news. In the same way, the kingdom of God is like that. You see, that here today we get to 
enjoy the goodness of the news of the kingdom. We get to enjoy the fruits of the kingdom in this life. But we'll we'll get to enjoy the fullness of it in the coming of age when the kingdom is fully unveiled to us. Um, So with that said, as we... As we think about today's parables, the parable of this net, um, and what Jesus has to say about it, I want to encourage you to think um, about the confidence that you have uh, of abiding in the kingdom today. And more importantly, the, the confidence that you have about belonging to the kingdom uh, at the end of the age. Uh, let me just pray, and then we'll jump into what the Holy Spirit has prepared for us today. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word. Uh, and we pray, Father, uh, Holy Spirit, anoint me today uh, as, I, as I preach. Uh, anoint us as we listen to your word. I pray that if there's anything from the week, anything from the day that might be stopping us from uh, being here with you, God, I pray that you will cast that away and that you will help us to be here, not just physically, um, but spiritually and in mind. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son, whoever reigns, for, who for, for, forever reigns. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to take you to uh, the night of the 13th of May of 1911. Um, this is a story retold by a young Scottish man uh, who survived um, the story of this little boat that you might have heard about called the Titanic. <laughs> um, and the story uh, takes us to a man called John Harper. Now, Joe Harper was, uh, what I understand, he, he was a Baptist minister in, living in England. Uh, he was widowed. He had uh, a little daughter by the name of, of, of Nana. And he was invited to, to America uh, on, on the Titanic uh, to come and minister there. So him, um, his little daughter, and uh, his cousin uh, jumped on board on the Titanic. And on that night, um, as the news that, that something had gone wrong, that something had slashed the side of the boat, um, he places uh, his little daughter, Nana, uh, along with his cousin, in one of the lifeboats. Uh, and, and he decides he's he just going to wait for the next boat uh, when he arrives. Next moment, we turn, and, and, and John Harper is, is in this pitch black ocean. Waves gashing around him left and right. His feet are starting to feel the, 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 the cold of this ocean, of the night. And as he, as he tries to swim in, in, in gulping water, he, he finds some debris. And he hangs to it. And he looks around and, and he starts seeing other, other people around him that are struggling as well. And he swims to the closest man and, and he yells out, Men, are you saved? And this man said, no. And so he says back, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The next wave cuts him across and he, and he tries to swim to the, to the next man. And he said, men, are you saved? No, I'm not. Believe and trust in the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. And then he comes to the person who's, who's retelling this story, this young Scottish man uh, who's telling the story to, to the survivors. And he says, then I saw John and he came to me and he said, man, are you saved? And on that moment, that question became so real for me. He said, and the words of John still resonate in my mind. 
Are you saved? Believe and trust in the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. After those, uh, finishing those words, John Harper fell into the ocean. And that was the last time that, that the Scottish man saw him. In today's picture, in today's parable of, of, of the kingdom, Jesus introduces that the kingdom is like, it's like a fisherman who goes out and casts this wide net into the sea and, and gathers fish of every kind. And the first point that I, that I have for you today, this morning, is the invitation that we all have. You see, God gathers everyone because he wants everyone to be with him in his kingdom. Uh, my wife and I just recently got married uh, earlier, earlier in, in the year, in April. And I love weddings. You know, it's a time where you get to um, have joy, to have food, to dance, to laugh. Um, and it was a very special moment for us. And, and it's a moment where you get to invite all of those that, that, you, that you love, that you care about. They are special uh, in your life. Um, sadly, some of the people that we, that we care dearly about uh, weren't able to join us on that day. These, these people that we love and have been with us all of our lives, uh, our parents were not able to join us. Uh, and, and, and it was sad. Um, in the same way, I want you to know today that, that God cares about you. As, as a creator, as a father, he cares for you and he, he wants you to be in the kingdom of God. He wants you to enjoy uh, the, the fullness and the richness of his kingdom. You see, God's invitation to the kingdom is an invitation to follow Jesus. After gathering, um, after gathering the, the, the fishes, uh, the parable tells us that that the fisherman uh, sorts, separates this fish, um, the, the, the good fish from the bad or the rotten fish. Uh, that the next verse unpacks this a little bit more and says that it starts to separate those who are righteous from the evil one. And it answers the questions to us of, of who can enter the kingdom of God. It says that this is for the righteous who can enter. Uh, if you wonder what the word righteous means, righteous just to be to, it means to be right before God, to be just, to be without sin or evil. It means to uphold and to follow and keep God's law to perfection. That is what righteous means. And what this passage, reve- this passage reveals to us, um, God, is, God is also a judge. Um, in this picture, the angels, uh, which uh, just mean messengers, represent the authority of God who are judging and, and separating on one hand uh, the, the righteous and then throwing these evil ones uh, away. Verse 43 in Matthew tells us that the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. But then on the other hand, the, the unrighteous, the lawbreakers, uh, verse 49 tells us that they will be thrown into a fiery furnace. And that place there will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. It, it, it pains for us this, this stressing contrast in, between the, the, the beautiful, uh, righteous kingdom of God and, and, and a place uh, 
that seems quite daring. Now, the, the description about these fire furnaces is it's not extensive by, by any means, but I think it's sufficient for us to understand that it's, it's not a good place. I'm, I'm, imagining a, a, I'm imagining a place where hay fever abounds. I don't know if you serve hay fever. I do. It's the worst. I imagine a place where hay, hay fever abounds. Um, imagine it to be a, a very hot day, maybe in the Northern Territory, where you're holding a barbecue. And, and the catch here is that you're not the one in the... Um, cooking anything on the barbecue. You're the one in the barbecue. So it's, it's, not a, it's not a comfortable place here. And this picture is one of, of wailing agony. It contrasts with the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, this passage presents to us um, a sense of urgency, a sense of need. Uh, righteous, this term righteousness becomes quite compelling all of a sudden and causes us to think, where am I going? Which leads us to the next point, the problem we face. And the problem we face is that we're not righteous, but unrighteous. Uh, the, the apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter three, verse 10 to 12. Listen to these words. He says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. What separates us from God's kingdom is, is this rebellion uh, to not obey him, to not acknowledge him, to not love him. And if the kingdom is to, to follow Jesus, the kingdom of God is an invitation to follow Jesus, then to break his law, to do evil, to disobey him, is to be walking in the opposite direction, to a place that doesn't paint a good picture. And here's the thing that happens in our hearts when, when we sometimes hear news like this. I was, um, I've been watching this TV show called Ted Lasso. I don't know if there are any hands about people who have watched Ted Lasso. I love that show. It's so good. We, my wife and I have really enjoyed it. Uh, Ted Lasso is a, it's an American football coach who uh, crosses uh, the ocean to, to go to England, and he's hired as a soccer, um, soccer, soccer coach, football coach. And he's taking uh, his kid man of the, of the team to an annual function. function. And... Uh, his friend rocks up with this suit that is too big for him. Like it's, it's past his fingers and all this. And he approaches Nate and says, um, Hey, Nate, are you the kind of person who likes it when his friend tells him that there's something in their teeth? Um, and Nate says, Yes. And so he proceeds to tell him about how the suit is oversized for him. In the same way, uh, Paul here is, is telling us, Hey, we, we are the ones who have something in our teeth. And offer the, the, the pride in our hearts um, can lead us to say, I'm not bad. We deny it. Or it maybe causes us to say, you know, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit bad, but not that bad, right? We minimize it. Or it leads us to, to, to what I think it's, it's, it's atrocious, but I, I see my, myself doing it. Um, it leads us to say, well, I am a little bad, but, but not as bad as that guy over there, right? We compare ourselves with others. And what we fail to understand here is that it is, it is not whether you are a little bit bad, um, it's the fact that you are bad. You see, 
it doesn't matter if you drink one drop of poison or one glass of it, it'll still kill you. Um, Ignaz Semmelweis was a doctor in the 19th century, Hungarian doctor. And uh, he discovered, or he gained this insight, um, that 13%, 13 to 18% of, of mothers uh, that gave birth were dying of, of a mysterious illness. And, and he realized that it was because doctors uh, weren't washing their hands properly. And you see, the, the problem here was that even just a tiny speck of bacteria um, was enough to cause infection and death. And him discovering that, that you had to be completely clean when you enter um, a surgery suit or a surgery unit, um, he saved billions of lives, of both mothers and babies. In the same way, what, what the parable is telling us, what we need to understand is that we need to be completely clean. We need to be fully righteous. I wonder how, how this tempts you. I wonder how your heart tempts you about this truth. Um, whether you deny it, minimize it, whether you compare yourself with others. Another insight from the heart, which I think is, is most important here, is that our heart, pride can lead us um, to think that we can solve the issue of unrighteousness. It tempts us to believe that we can earn our forgiveness somehow. That through our own efforts, our own works, we can kind of like write off or ease off or just balance the scales, earning our place in the kingdom. And, and to use my five-year-old niece uh, joke as an analogy, she comes to me and says, Uncle Javi, um, what fish doesn't swim? I don't know, Chloe. Which fish? And she said, a dead fish. <laughs> Great punchline. I know. Um, and, and Paul unpacks this to us or explains that to us in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to this. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What this passage is telling us, what, what scripture is telling us is, is we, are, we are spiritually dead. And because of that, there's nothing that we can bring on our account let me paint a picture to you. It's, it's, not like, it's not like we're running slow on the race. Friends, we're not even on the race. And the reality of, of, of this, of sin, of disobedience, of, of the brokenness of the world, of the separation, of the antithesis of the kingdom, is really in our lives. And here's a catch. We look for things in our lives that can bring us light and warm into this dark and cold place where we have been brought into because of sin, because of rebellion and unrighteousness. A place of loneliness, a place of sadness, of disappointment, of injustice, of suffering and pain, where broken relationships are real, where suffering and pain is real. And then we, we try to go and, and, and find in our toolbox things that we can, that we can do to, to solve this, to, to shine a light. Whether it is momentary relationships, whether it is work and, and trying to find 
identity and success there, whether it is uh, exercise or addictions or being watching TV shows or scrolling, end endlessly scrolling through social media or unhealthy habits. We search for things that can fill that emptiness that only God can fill. Irish poet uh, Oscar Wilde um, has this quote where he says, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And friends, you can look at the stars and forget you're in the spiritual gutter. But sooner or later, you're going to have to face the consequences. You're going to have to face the, the sorting of the fish. You're going to have to face judgment. I wonder if there's anything that you are seeking or pursuing to feel that emptiness today. How are you replacing the, the, the spiritual need that you have that only God can satisfy? And, and, and this poses a, 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 an urgent question for us. What can we do when faced with our unrighteousness and, and these consequences? What is, what is the solution to our sin, to the problem? And this leads us to the third point. There is one way, and the way is Jesus. In the quote, to quote Mandalorian, Jesus, the first Mandalorian, this is the way. Through Jesus, we have full forgiveness for all of our unrighteousness and rebellion, past, present, and future. Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice to pay for all these consequences of sin, to make us righteous and to welcome us into the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God. Listen, listen how Paul puts this in Romans chapter 8. Listen to these powerful words. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Friends, these are the good news of the kingdom of heaven. This is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus loves you so much, so much when the, that, that when the sorting of the fish comes, when the judgment of the righteousness and the righteous is at hand, Jesus takes it upon himself the consequences of your sin. And he willingly dies for you so that you will be pardoned, so that you will be made blameless, so that you would be clean without sin, fully righteous. Think about this for a second. Perhaps, perhaps a friend, right, might offer to pay for the car fine that you got. Or perhaps you're out for dinner and, and you forgot to bring your wallet, and your friend would turn around and say, hey, no worries, I've got this. Or maybe you just came out of the hospital and, and things are rough and, and you're not able to pay those bills. And a friend comes to you or family members come and say, hey, we've got this. It might be the case that you might need a kidney or a lung. And someone comes and says, Ace, I'm, I'm happy to offer you one of mine. But it is only Jesus it is only Jesus who takes your place in death, who substitutes on our behalf, 
Martin Luther famously called these the glorious exchange. Our sins for Christ's righteousness. And friends, the evidence that he has paid for your unrighteousness in full is the resurrection. He has opened the doors of the kingdom in his resurrection to all those who trust him and who put their faith in him. And if the invitation to the kingdom is to follow Jesus, then the invitation to receive this glorious exchange is also to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to know Jesus. Here at Tierna Hill, we're a community that, that seeks to grow to know Jesus. And that wants to help one another to, to know the, the love of God, to, to, to see and to enjoy the, the richness of the kingdom in this life. But also point us to the end of age. In Jesus' own, word, own, own words, um, these this words he says at the beginning of his ministry and they echo through the New Testament. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. To acknowledge our need to be forgiven and trust in Jesus for forgiveness of our sins. That is the good news. And re- repentance. Repentance is not just to, to say sorry, right? Um, if, if you punch someone and say, oh, that must have hurt. That's not, that's not repentance. It's just acknowledging that you, that you hit them, right? Um, a good analogy uh, for repentance is, is to have a change in heart. Uh, the first time, one of the first times I was driving here in Australia, um, my friend was giving the directions. He said, oh, Choka Yui. I'm like, Choka what? I said, oh, Choka Yui. Oh, I don't know what that means, man. He says, Choka Yui is to turn around and walk in the other direction. And that is what repentance is. It's to turn away from our rebellion, uh, from, for our unrighteousness, for our, from our ignorance to God, and to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to receive this glorious exchange from Jesus. And if you trust in Jesus... When you trust in Jesus, when God sees you, he sees Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, God, God is he's no longer like, like a boss who is keeping track of, of your KPIs or your goals. No, when God sees you, he sees Jesus. God is not like a lecturer scrutinizing and, and marking your assignments to see how good uh, you did or not. No, if you trust in Jesus, when God sees you. He sees Jesus. This is what it is to be in the kingdom of God. It's to be in Jesus, with Jesus, and for Jesus. From a now perspective, from from the pregnancy perspective, these good news mean that you can have a confidence that you belong to Jesus. It's an encouragement to to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, to enjoy the, the fruit of the kingdom. In the now, it means that you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who bears fruit in your life and helps you by His power to experience love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and safe control. This is what real success looks like, to be like Jesus, to flourish in the kingdom of God. And from an eternity perspective, from from an end of age perspective, 
This is good news because it gives us confidence that we belong to his kingdom, that our place at the end of the ages is secured for us. It gives us confidence that at the end, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and that death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things will pass away and we will be in his presence forever. This brings love. It brings peace. It brings hope. It brings hope and comfort and strength for us, for today and for tomorrow. As the band comes up, I, I want to share uh, this news with you. Uh, this week we heard uh, that, that Candice, one, one of our loving uh, members of our church, who, who had been battling with cancer for, for a few months now, and has left to be with the Lord. I didn't know Candice personally, uh, but through my wife, I've learned that she had a very loving and kind heart. I've heard that, that her love for Jesus compelled her to become a doctor and to serve not just here, but in missions abroad. In a recent post, Candice shared these beautiful words, which I'll read for you. She first shared this verse from Isaiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And he wrote these words. She says, I am so thankful to believe in a God who knows my suffering and the suffering of my loved ones so intimately and who understands. Not a God who is far and aloof. As Charles Spurgeon puts it, a Jesus who never wept could never wipe away my tears. Whilst we mourn with, with Candace's family, we're reminded of, of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ through her testimony, through her faith in Jesus. And so I want to echo John Harper's words to you. Are you saved? Trust and believe in Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.